I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. It's time to talk RSL now with Pablo Mastroni, head coach, undefeated through three games, tied for first place in the West. Pablo, good morning. Morning, guys. How are we doing? Good. Have you thought out, or at this point, are you in love with the orange ball and you just hope it snows every week? <laughs> oh, man. I tell you what, uh, it's nothing you could prepare for, but... Uh, you know, we've been on turf most of the most of the uh, preseason, and so a little bit of snow will just add to the flavor of what we've been through. Now, there was some talk, at least from the other side, of postponing the game. Uh, I don't know if that's possible, but from a coaching standpoint, you know, we don't think of necessarily your sport as weather-related as we would football, uh, but never or American football anyway. But do you approach it differently depending on the weather? Um, well, I, you know, I think the most important thing is to understand what the weather is going to do, right? So I think at Gillette Stadium, there's a big, uh, I think it's the south side, there's a big opening, so yeah. big wind gusts and swirls. And so that was something that we talked about before the game. And then when you have uh, weather, inclement weather like, uh, you know, snow, for example, um, you just got to pick and choose the moments when you think you can actually put the ball down and play and when you want to fight for territory. And, uh, you know, I think for the most part, the guys did a really good job of, of putting the ball down and trying to create some, some good ends when there was time and space to play. Um, and there's other times where there's a lot of players in midfield that's snowing, the ball's out of control, it's slippery, and you just want to help it on in the attacking third and really move their defense back. And I think we had a good balance. With that footing and with that wind, I would think that uh, precision would uh, pretty much go out the window. But nonetheless, late right. in the game, Pablo Ruiz played a couple of really good balls. There was a pass that started the third goal. Well, there were a couple more passes, so he doesn't get an assist. But it was a really good ball to open things up. And on the second goal, that free kick, that looked nasty. I mean, that thing was dipping and diving, and Justin Glad got on the end of it and redirected a pass to helpless keeper. But the ball, there's video of the ball just moving a little bit it because of the wind. How hard was that for Pablo to recalibrate when that thing is moving just as he's approaching it? Yeah, no, I think it was, uh, you know, excellent execution. And uh, the one thing as coaches at this level, it's, it's, it's almost impossible to teach is, is technique. You know, at this point, you either got a good skill set as far as the ability to adjust in those little moments as Pablo did. Um, and uh, like you said, DJ, he he really found the moments in the game where a lot of people would have thought he's just going to help it on, but he really brought the ball down and, and created a lot of good attacks for us. How much confidence do you, 
to can you gain by this incredible? No, maybe not incredible. That's too strong. It was an incredible game, though. I thought uh, I'm not a you know I'm not a soccer expert, but I was entertained by that game, uh, especially here this most recent one. But the excellent start. Now, I, I got to think that the team is just thinking, hey, not not invincible, but we we got a shot here every time. Yeah, no, I think you know uh, we talk about it all in in in, in the clubhouse is is controlling the controllables. And I think the, the greatest way to do that is the way you approach training every day. Um, and before every training session, we get together as a group and, uh, you know, we'll have a couple players and a couple staff members speak about the importance of the training session, importance of the week, importance of uh, getting a good result at the weekend. And so we've, we've basically t- taken all the exterior factors and, and brought them inside into our control. Like, what can we control? How can we affect it? Um, and, and so when you don't look at like weather, the, the, your opponent that you're playing, and, and you really focus and double down on who you are and what you want to be as a group, I, I think that's really empowering. And then when you get the results to validate that, then there's a lot of belief. And so at the moment, there's a lot of belief in the group, um, and everyone's really moving in the same direction, albeit without some, some really players, um, which is even more fascinating for me uh, as, as we continue to build this culture. You talk about the technique and how much you've either got it or not at this point. So a lot of coaching is the psychological. What have you done with Tate Schmidt, a guy who was playing in Phoenix? He was on loan to uh, the USL last year so he could get some playing time. He comes back here. He's not really on the radar for one reason or another. Guys aren't signed. Guys aren't healthy. He gets to start every game, and he has been noticeably better every week. And then he scored a game-winning goal. With the right foot, and he's a left-footed player. That's Mastrone's genius, man. So, what is the root of your genius? Is what I'm getting to, Pablo. How do you do this? How do you? I mean, he gets credit because he is doing the work, but you got to help bring him along. How do you do that? Yeah, I think for from from at least the, the little part that uh, that that played as coaches, you know, I, I think it's just being available for players. You know, I think one of my uh, greatest assets as a coach is having put, played the game um, as a former player. And being able to empathize with young players that uh, may not be getting the opportunities at the moment, but being able to relate to them and, and explain to them that this this career is all about you is all about you. It's not about the coaches. It's not about your teammates. It's about you. And it's how much of your craft do you want to take ownership for? How much of your career do you want to take ownership for? Um, and as I've, as I've alluded in the past, Tate is a student of the game. He's a guy that really wants it. Um, he's, you know, he studies our opponents on, on the flights to, to, to the games that we're playing to really watch what, what the guy he's going up against at the weekend, you know, what, 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 his, what he likes to do on both sides of the ball. And so I, I, I think for, for, for as much as, you know, you know, I'd like to take credit for, for Tate. Tate is taking 100% responsibility for Tate. And that's, as a coach, the most empowering thing because when you have – guys in the locker room that are all committed to one day better and and really earning everything that they're achieving. I mean, Tate's a great example of this. Growing up there in North Phoenix, I spent a lot of time at Turf Paradise, which is uh, close to where you, you live. And my parents were big horse yep. racing fans, so we would go every week, if not multiple times. And if it ever rained, we would look and say, okay, which horse is a good mudder? And I'm wondering, is RSL just a good snower? 
Um, I'll tell you what, we're going to, we won't make excuses for, for inclement weather. We won't make excuses for anything. We'll put our best foot forward and, and really attack the game. So from that perspective, you know, I, I think we are. And, and, and by the way, I had a, I had a childhood buddy who's I'm still friends with today, the Starkins brothers and their father owned, uh, was part owner, owner of a horse named Major Booper. So we, anytime Major was 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 running, we'd be at the uh, track. And nice. The three or four times that I was there, it was actually raining as well, and he was a mutter. So. <laughs> <laughs> Ironic. Well, if you want to know why I went to Thunderbird, is because Turf Paradise was in Thunderbird's boundaries, and my parents were going to live as close to the track as possible which is why we ended up, we live at 23rd and Greenway and then bought another house at 34th and Greenway on the other side of the freeway. But we were always within a mile or two of Turf Paradise at all times. It just felt natural. That's awesome. Yeah, great times. <laughs> you guys and your Thunderbird high connection. Oh, and, and I have never told Palabo. My wife went to Thunderbird. She grew up at 7th Avenue in Thunderbird. Oh, wow. Yeah. 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 That's amazing. All the great, all the great ones do. We got Chiefs running deep in the family, <laughs> and I've told her about you. And she, she's now an RSL fan because of you. That's <laughs> uh, so funny. So Pablo uh, PK was watching. Uh, well, he watched the New England game, but he watched the game the week before that when the orange ball came out and the snow came down at halftime, and you ended up beating Seattle. And what he took away from that was that Dunny and I had nice matching jackets, and he wants in on that. Can you? Can yeah, you... I'm a freaking fan, man. <laughs> <laughs> if you, yeah. If you can I, hook I him, look it up. yeah. If you can hook yeah. him, if you and now apparently the missus too. And actually, you would like her way more than him. Once I met her, it's not even. <laughs> Close. She's much more likable than PK. Has Pablo got enough pull, or I got to go all the way to top to Smith? <laughs> uh, I, I think I might be able to work that one out. I think I might be able to just do that. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll take care of that in the next uh, the next week or so. We'll, yeah, we'll we got to get nice it jacket. soon because we start going to games here in a few weeks, and then we're not going to need jackets. Right, it's going to be a beautiful <laughs> weather. Yeah, it's, it's going to be. Awesome. But it's going to be the best jacket for next year. Oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah. Or possibly the fall. <laughs> you never know. Yeah. There you go. You've got Nashville yeah, coming in. You got Nashville coming in Saturday night, and we have not seen a lot of them here. They are, are relatively new to the league. They're not a first-year team, and their brief MLS existence here. They defend, they defend, and they defend some more. Is this? Uh, have we seen the last of a three-to-two for a while? Are we going to be back to a, a scoreless game or or one-nil like the Seattle game? Well, you know, it's soccer's a, a crazy sport. I, I think uh, given when the first goal you know, goes in, it kind of dictates how the games flow. You know, I think if there's a, a goal in the first half, the onus is on the team that's behind to really get after it. And in doing so, they kind of open themselves up. And, the, you know, the team that's sitting on the one-goal lead will look to counter. And so then you're thinking about countering counterattacks. And so the game starts to open up in that way. So I think it just depends on the scoreline. But to your point, DJ, they're they're, they're – a well-drilled defensive team. I, I played under Gary Smith, uh, the coach there at Nashville, um, and we spent a lot of time talking about defending and actually trained it quite a bit. And uh, they've made uh, a great impact on our league in the first couple of years making the playoffs and, and making good runs based on having a solid defense. So, you know, I think it's going to be a, a really interesting match. And, and, you know, how it unfolds, you don't know. But, uh, you know, they're, they're a team that don't give up a lot. Um, and if they nick one, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be, you know, they, they do a good job fortifying their, their goal. 
So I want to ask you, I'm fascinated by the counter to the counter, basically, is what you're talking about. And when you get get down by multiple, how much the strategy and philosophy needs to change to make sure you find a way to get back in. And in this case, you not only got back in, you won. Yeah, no, I think, uh, you know, a lot of that is also momentum, PK. You know, I think in sport is, you know, you need moments to really – you know, like early in the game, it could be a good tackle. It could be a good, good shot on goal that really inspires the group um, forward and, and, and injects that belief into the group. And I think for us, you know, getting that first goal back, um, you know, two ones are very dangerous lead for anybody. More importantly, uh, you know, if you score that one after, you know, being down two to zero, um, that, that belief starts to come in and then it injects doubt into, into your opponent's. And so we, we really scored one, got momentum, started playing forward, started playing some good stuff, found the second one. And at that point, it's like, oh, no, it's coming. Um, we believe it's coming. They believe it's coming. And it kind of manifests itself through the, through the belief systems of teams, you know. And so I think it was a really, really strong effort, a real psychological effort from our group to really hang in there and, and, and find the winner. Pablo Mestroni joining us. RSL head coach, you have been super shorthanded here early in the season. Uh, the first choice 11 maybe isn't even on the roster, right? Because there's been talk about signing and who might it be and multiple positions where you could possibly sign guys. And of the guys on the roster, you haven't even been able to start Demir here in the last couple of games. Uh, and Aaron Herrera hasn't played yet. And David Ochoa, these guys who played pretty much every match last year haven't played this year. So the chemistry is so good now. And the natural thing is to reintroduce those guys as soon as they're healthy and put them back in the 11. But then that could mess with with uh, the chemistry and the belief of the group. I know you're not going to tell me the starting 11, nor would I expect you to, but big picture, how do you juggle that? Yeah, it's really interesting, uh, DJ. I, I, you know, I think there's, uh, there's always uh, I think it's more art than science. I think it's more feel and, and how the group's doing. Obviously, I think for guys that haven't played a lot of minutes, it's not just starting them. It's integrating them back in the team from, from uh you know, coming off as a reserve, coming into the game as a reserve and seeing how those minutes go. Um, because to your point, what is often the most important thing in, in, in sport is the chemistry of the guys currently playing. And when you're in a good run of form, the last thing you want to do as a coach is tinker and ruin something that, that, that's really um, been built organically. It hasn't been built through, you know, systems and, and tactics. It's been built from a place of belief of the guys playing alongside each other overcoming some difficult circumstances and, 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 and achieving great results. And so it'll be, um, it'll be something that, you know, that, that we talk about. Um, and more importantly, that we integrate these guys in, in, in maybe a slower fashion than you would do if the results weren't going your way, where you'd want drastics to really ignite the group where we're right now, we're in a great way. And it's about keeping this momentum as best we can um, as we move forward. Well, Pablo, good luck, both with the results and with getting the jackets for PK. And we will uh, talk to you again down the road. Sounds great, guys. PK, I'll I'll take care of that in the next couple weeks here. Amen. All right. One Thunderbird alum to another. There we do. Yeah, right. Exactly. Take care of your fellow (laughs) Thunderbird. (laughs) Thank you, Pablo. All right, guys. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Pablo Masterani, RSL, two wins, one draw.
Seven out of nine points tied with LAFC for first place. It's a good start, but it's only 10% of the season. And if you think baseball's a marathon, you ought to check out a Major League Soccer season. It's a marathon. Uh, yeah, yeah, with all the interruptions and starts and all that stuff. But the, the thing that, I, that I've noticed in uh, conversations with him is, and correct me if I'm wrong, you know it way more than I do, is that the emphasis that he has on the psychological aspect of the game is fascinating to me. You know, I'm not a big-time soccer strategic guy by any stretch. I watch the games to keep informed uh, because it's a work obligation. Uh, but talking to him, I almost feel like sometimes I'm on a couch. <laughs> <laughs> Am I wrong? You are not wrong. You are 100% right. And I think it comes down to the, the thing that soccer's a lot like other sports. And people don't always want to hear that. There is some... Uh, NFL in it, and there is definitely some NBA in it, but it doesn't have timeouts. The the whole thing, and Quinn Snyder gets second guess for this. Call the timeout and stop the run. You just let him play. And Phil Jackson, I'm going to let him play and figure it out and solve it now in the regular season, and then they'll have that to build on. In soccer, you don't have that option. There are no timeouts. Guys have to figure it out on the fly. So when momentum goes against you and it's going wrong, there's no chance to stop and collect yourself. And there's no chance to communicate with a teammate about what's getting messed up. And so that mentality and that belief, if stuff is going wrong, I know what to do. And I know the guy next to me knows what to do. So we're going to be okay. There's a huge psychological element. And that's not to say that there isn't in all these other sports. But I think the timeout and the ability to substitute gives people a chance to regroup. You know, in football, there's a lot of specialists mixed in. You know, they're defensive linemen who are in there to pass rush. The, the nickelback may be coming and going in a game. And you got a chance to gather yourself and regroup and talk to somebody. We've all seen the quarterback pick up the phone and call the offensive coordinator to get his head straight. In soccer, once they put you out there, you either got it or you don't. And I'll see you at halftime. You know, and coaches yell and they try to be heard and players communicate. But you got players from all different countries speaking all different languages. Maybe they do. Maybe they don't. So Bobby Wood, who they brought over last year, who's played for the U.S. national team, very accomplished, way healthier this year than last year. Hawaii, right? And he speaks English. They bring in Sergio Cordova and he speaks Spanish. They're communicating on the field in German because they both played in Germany. Hmm. So they speak, and he was asked the question, uh, Sergio was asked the question in their Zoom availability the other day, well, do you speak English, Spanish, or German with him? Because he talked about how those two have linked up pretty quickly and figured each other out. And he said, Aleman, which is Spanish for German. So you got to figure all that stuff out. All the interpersonal stuff matters. The psychological matters. Because once the game starts, except for halftime, and maybe if a player gets hurt, you have a chance to run over and talk to a coach while the trainer's out there, but you're on your own. So the psychological matters a lot. If you break down, you're going to cost the team. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Coming up, Adam Amin, Chicago Bulls TV voice, will join us. Why have the Bulls lost six out of eight? What's gone wrong? Because they have a good season going, and it looked like a great season, but it's been a bumpy two weeks. We'll talk with him coming up in 10 minutes.